But, um, but no, you, you absolutely cannot ask for more. And it's, it's led to just a complete lifetime of happiness. It really has. Hey, listeners. Today's podcast features Sarah Schwering. If you're thinking her name might sound familiar to you, it probably does. Sarah is a double alum of Gonzaga and now works here full-time as the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications. Fun fact, she spent almost half her life at GU. Today, I'm going to bring you through Sarah's extensive marketing background, as well as how she navigated her way through the different positions and jobs which eventually landed her back to Gonzaga at her current role. Stay tuned to hear more about Sarah's story, and be sure to stick around to the end as Sarah brought along some special guests of her own. My name's Nicolina, I'm a senior at Gonzaga University, and this is Careers in Marketing, a Gonzaga podcast. Ever since Sarah was in elementary school, she instantly found a love for public speaking and speech and debate. Most all of her jobs throughout high school were focused on customer service and managing customer relationships in the direct sales world. She could attribute her natural sales-like mentality to her father, who owned his own marketing firm while Sarah was growing up. You could say marketing ran in Sarah's blood. In 2004, she graduated with a degree in business administration with concentrations in marketing, entrepreneurial leadership, and HR. Her entrepreneurial spirit even led her to become a member of the first Hogan class. Kind of ironic thing about being a part of the first class is by nature, it was very entrepreneurial. We were in many ways informing the curriculum and asked for ideas and um, concepts, things that we wanted to study, and the program kind of evolved with us. So that is a very entrepreneurial idea as well. Um, When I was a senior, part of our curriculum, of course, was getting an internship. And I had had another internship previously that I really enjoyed, but my senior year, I was paired up with Michelle Hakey. And Michelle is a CEO of a local um, marketing and PR firm, as you mentioned, DH. And having that internship my spring of my senior year really introduced me to the agency world, um, having never worked in that field before. And I got to really um, see firsthand what agency life is like, working with many different clients across industries. And Michelle really served as my mentor. She guided me through that, really was that kind of professional resource so I could really think through what I wanted to do. So you stay in Spokane and you're continuing your internship at DH and then you decide to go back and pursue uh, your the MBA program mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And so would you kind of recommend to anyone who might want to do the MBA program to kind of follow in your footsteps to kind of get some real world experience in an internship or a job before directly going back into school? Yeah, it's a great question. And I've had friends of mine who've gone right into grad programs. I think it depends largely on the field that you're pursuing. You know, if you think about if you're going into accounting or going into some sort of field where you need certain um, CLAs or certain kind of continuing education, um, or a grad degree is required, you know, for recruiting purposes to go right into a field, then of course it would make sense to do more of a fifth year model. Um, I can only speak to what I did, which was again, taking about a year and a half or so of that traditional gap where I was working full time. 
Um, what I would say is that my own experience was incredibly positive because I was able to bring forward real-life case studies and client work to the curriculum. And in the grad program, you have kind of similar type of curriculum, but now all of a sudden I'm thinking about that curriculum on behalf of my clients. I'm bringing to the table, you know, here's a campaign that we're looking to launch for this, you know, hospital as an example. Like, how should we think about um, recruiting new staff? You know, that might be a strategic objective of that hospital. How do we think about positioning their brand in the community when you have lots of options of where to seek out healthcare? All of a sudden, it was the curriculum kind of came to life. And so I would say, again, I can only speak from my own experience, that taking a bit of time to really dig into your career it makes the school kind of classroom work more applicable. And I also would say that you can be a bit of a, I hate to say it this way, but a more effective team member because you're bringing to the table real life scenarios. And I heard that from a few peers of, you know, I would have never thought of it that way, for example. So, you know, my recommendation would be, I had a great experience, so I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So kind of transitioning to your role at DH, you started as an account executive mm -hmm. and then eventually you moved up to project manager. And I want to kind of focus on your role as a project manager because that is the position you held kind of for a longer amount of time there. So can you take us through the typical duties of being a project manager, maybe for someone who might be interested in that field? the challenges they might experience with this and what you enjoyed about it? You bet. So on the agency side, you do, you have um, kind of a breakdown of um, team structure. So you have account representatives, if you will, and going from kind of assistant coordinator to executive to director, you kind of scale up accordingly. And of course, your responsibilities change as you get promoted in that way. And then you also have the creative side, which are graphic designers, photo, video, etc. So on the project management side, this is really that kind of soup to nuts project work. So you're thinking about if a client comes to the agency and says, you know, I want to um, pitch a media story. We have a new, let's say we're launching a new product. And we really want to get out in the media. A project manager would develop that communications plan from start to finish and think about, you know, when are the media press releases going to be developed and by whom? How are they going to be distributed and when? What's the pitching strategy? You know, is this a local story? Is it a regional industry? So a project manager is really working with the client from the day one to say, what are your strategic objectives with this project? Is it to position your company? Is it to recruit new customers? Is it to retain customers? And from that point, you develop that comp plan and start to roll it out. Um, one of the biggest roles is really to stay on time, on task, and on money. <laughs> There was no doubt Sarah gained some really valuable experience from her time working as an account executive and project manager at DH. Eventually though, Sarah and her husband knew they wanted to start a family. She mentions that it was always in her vision to stay home with their older son once he was born, as her mom and mother-in-law had done with their children as well. I wanted to learn more about how she prioritized starting a family while also not completely cutting off the idea of returning to work. Since this is often a common and difficult decision for a woman to have to choose between putting family or their career first, Sarah offered us some insight into her experience. It is very challenging and one thing that I will say is 
it's all about your leadership and who you choose to associate with. So I think one of the challenges, you know, when I was a senior, I reflecting back, um, you do, you feel some stress about what am I supposed to do right now? You know, I'm looking at the two of you like, I'm sure, yeah, it kind of feels that way. Um, there's so many different paths, there's so many different options. And I truly believe that it is in who you're, whether you want to call him or her a boss, a supervisor, manager, whatever that person is who brings you into their organization, really kind of shepherds you along their, in your career, gives you counsel and advice, that person in many ways can dictate how your environment comes to be. So again, as I've mentioned, Michelle, I was incredibly blessed to witness firsthand prior to starting my own family how she and others in our firm, Cher Desital, who was actually one of the founders, and her husband, Jim, how they prioritize family. And it's not always that case. You know, I've had dear friends who went and worked for organizations where it's kind of work first, and it's very clear that that is the priority. That was not okay with me. You know, I knew firsthand that I would not be a good employee, I would not be a good professional if I felt like I had to really deprioritize that which was the most important. So finding that and witnessing that firsthand as a lot of my coworkers at the time were starting their families and how it was without question if someone was sick, if there was a school play or a soccer game, that's important because you come back the next day saying, I was able to put my family first and now I can be a better team player, worker, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, so that exposure to that kind of model really, really helped. And it is, you know, you think about kind of female roles. Um, me staying home was completely my choice. I wanted to do that. And the fact that I could express that with confidence and still maintain such a strong relationship with those that I had worked with previously is awesome. You know, and again, I think it's somewhat rare at times. We know that when you started your family, you still wanted to make some form of working a priority. And you found this through beginning to adjunct teach here at Gonzaga. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you found your way back to the university in this role, why you decided to pursue it, and how it kind of further stimulated your career goals? I had taught a couple of communications courses actually with Michelle. She had invited me to co-teach with her um, while I was still at the agency. And then after having John, I was invited to teach a business statistics course here um, for sophomores. And I was one of the possibly few that loved that class as a sophomore. And so it was great. It was able to see a different side of the classroom, explore, is this something that I'd want to do as a career? And truly, it's really nice to have an opportunity to test things out and identify, do I like to do this kind of more on the side or would this like to be something that I'd want to do full time? So I did that as well. And it just was a great balance of having some more adult you know, interaction, you're not trying to communicate with this little person who at some point responds and gives you some clues back that they're listening. Um, but it did, it kept me really connected and professionally fulfilled. In addition to adjunct teaching, in order to keep the momentum of her career going, Sarah dabbled in some freelance work for DH and the Gonzaga Marketing and Communications Department. Making the decision to freelance is a personal choice, and Sarah seemed to have an overall positive experience. But she does recognize that there are some potential challenges that might come along with partaking in freelance work. Since she has had years of experience, she tells about the pros and cons, 
and how one might be able to decide if freelance work is the right fit for them. I will say that a full-time employee versus a hired contractor for a certain project, there is in many ways a cost savings to hiring out again within reason but for example um, working on a project where with DH where maybe they're looking to create a full communications plan but in order to do that they need a lot of secondary research conducted well remotely from home that's not terribly cumbersome I was able to do that very time efficiently there was no learning curve because I had already worked for them for so many years and I knew their system I knew their style and tone it was very turnkey um, so yeah, I didn't have any kind of contractual issues myself. I think the key is just to really think about, is this something that you wanna be available to do kind of on the side, or is this your full time? You know, I mean, when you think about uh, financially, can I afford to do this? Um, you, unless I can't understand the circumstance where this would happen, but no health benefits, you know, there's, there's some challenges if you're thinking this is all, um, I'm gonna be relying on this solely where you know a traditional career non-freelance you would have access usually to more benefits that are <laughs> very helpful um, in times that you would prefer not to have to lean on them so um so i think i loved it just because i was able to keep that side of my intellect charged you know when i'm home with young kids it's very easy to kind of fall into a rhythm where you don't feel like you're leaning on the education that you worked so hard for and paid for um, the other thing that i would say is if an individual chooses to make a choice like that where you're kind of stepping out of the traditional for a while totally disconnecting can be very challenging because when you're ready to come back you're then competing with a whole new job market and it's hard it's very very difficult um, so again if it's of interest I had a great experience because it ultimately led me back here you know where I had those connections already kind of maintained so you mentioned that you stopped adjunct teaching and then you always kept these connections mm -hmm. And you eventually ended up doing some freelance work for Gonzaga Marketing and Communications, which is what led to your current job. That's correct. correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, when did you start this current job? So full time in August of 2014. And so you just had your five year anniversary, I right? Did. Congratulations. <laughs> Happy work anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> So can you take us through a typical day in your life as Senior Director of Marketing and Communications? For someone who might be interested in this role, what could they expect to do on the day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So we are a team of about 20, and in Marcom, we oversee lots of different areas of the institution. We are, we call ourselves the storytellers. We get to share the stories of this amazing place. It's students, it's faculty, it's alumni, it's donors, the community, the fans, our Zag Nation, as we call ourselves, right? Um, so a team of about 20, we oversee social media, we oversee media relations, crisis communication, issue management, um, major publications, the website, um, project management, so very similar to my role at DH, and um, kind of everything in between. We have great graphic designers, photographer, videographer, um, web developers, writers. You know, it's just, it's an incredibly creative group that I get to work with. So it sounds a bit cliche, but there's no real typical day. My role is really a partner consultant, is what we call ourselves. And so you think about a university is full of all sorts of different departments and divisions. So you have 
admissions, you have fundraising, you have student development, you have academics and academic deans and all the schools, among many, many others. And I work primarily on the admissions and fundraising side. So I'm working with partners all the time, whether it's the undergrad admissions team, you know, when they're trying to promote their applications are open, how are they doing that on our broader social channels? How can we partner in that way? When the College of Arts and Sciences has a beloved faculty member who's retiring after 30 plus years, how can we create a video about that individual that is just such the appropriate way to honor their legacy here. How can we share that on social and have alumni around the world step up and share memories with that person? Like that is cool, right? You get to tell those stories that just as an alum, as a double alum, even cooler, right? So could you give us any advice that you would have for the senior class mm -hmm. upon graduating? <laughs> I'm sure it is a scary and kind of worrisome time for a lot of people. Yeah and you have such great experience. So anything that you would really give, give to them yeah. as final advice? I would say don't panic. <laughs> That's number one, because it can feel daunting and you have been you know, in this wonderful community environment and it's a lot of decisions to make. The other thing I would say is the decision you make is the right one, you know, to not really look back and say, I regretted taking a year, I regretted going right into the workforce. Everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why that statement is uttered a lot. Again, if I hadn't stayed here, I wouldn't have met my husband. And that's just my own personal experience, but that you reflect back on all the people that made that happen, made that connection happen. Um, I will say that the more networking, the more reaching out you can do, the better. I had such a great opportunities with the chapter that you join. So our alumni colleagues are incredible in terms of keeping people connected and engaged. And I lost count at how many chapters we have around the world now, but I would always recommend to seniors join your chapter where you're um, moving to. Most likely there's a chapter there and or nearby. It's automatic networking. You have alums who all they want to do is help you succeed. And it's kind of, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I think a lot of that is the size of our institution. You think about a state school where you graduate with thousands of your closest friends. It's just not that kind of connection. Um, so embrace it and really, really leverage that. I would really look at the mentoring program, uh, looking at the treks. You know, it's not too late your senior year to really explore those kind of career prep opportunities. Working with our um, career development office here, amazing opportunities for interviewing, resume prep, you know. Everybody's coming to the table with different backgrounds and different support systems in place. So don't panic. Every you know choice is the right one for you. And really kind of get ready for the unexpected because I didn't, until April of my senior year, I didn't think I'd be in Spokane and now I've been here for half my life and I love it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's everything will happen for a reason. You mentioned making and maintaining connections. And this is something that we hear as students all the time is ensuring that we are really being active in this and how it can be such a positive thing to implement in our career search. Do you have any tips or advice that you would give when it comes to networking and the best way to go about it? Informational interviews, trek program, um, type of kind of job fairs, having a business card, you know, you think about, you can online create something really nice and polished really inexpensively and have a leave behind. 
I would do it because honestly, it's as kind of maybe archaic as they seem. You still have that tangible reminder when that person gets back to their office. As an alum, you want to see this school continue to grow and evolve and succeed. You know, when you're a sophomore, junior, considering what you want to do, maybe where you want to go, you want to think about the institution that will set you up for success. If your parents or family are supporting this journey financially, they want to see the return, right? They want to make sure that this is not inexpensive. When we fully recognize that private higher education, we got to show that ROI. And so being able to show those outcomes that 95% of our graduates are employed in grad school and volunteer service within a year of graduating, like that's incredible. And so just as much as it's the right thing to do, it also helps support this place for our grads to go out there and be successful in their careers. And since Gonzaga has been such a huge part of your life, could you wrap up our interview today with mentioning some of your favorite memories from your time here at GU? The, the favorite memories, it's really difficult, of course, to pick out um, one, if not 80, um, but it is those friendships and they are lifelong. I witnessing, you know, going to Zag weddings, again, full circle. We produce Gonzaga Magazine within our team. We have an amazing team of writers and our editors, incredible and designers. And every um, quarter, well, three months, um, this magazine is produced and we ask alums to send in photos of their weddings and babies and exciting news to share. And I will tell you that the photos we get, you have weddings where there's like 80 zags and a lot of them know ahead of time that they're going to have this contingent and so they have a flag and it's, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's, just, it's just kind of the heart of this place and it never stops. If there is one thing I could say about Sarah throughout having this conversation with her, it's that she is passionate. Not only about marketing and her career, but also about the importance of growth, balance, and assisting others along the way. Speaking of, Sarah enjoys helping students whenever she can, and I would highly encourage anyone listening to reach out and connect with her. She says that being a double alum and feeling such a strong connection to Gonzaga, there is not one email or phone call that she receives from a younger graduate that she will not respond to. I could have sat and talked to Sarah for hours, but remember those special guests I mentioned in the beginning? Sarah's two sons joined in on our interview and wanted to say a couple of very special words before we said goodbye. Thanks for listening to my mom. Go Today's episode was produced and edited by Katie Blackerby. Music courtesy of Music Box Licensing. Download other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm.